just a quick warning that we're going to be discussing abortion, miscarriage, uh, Freudian theories. So everything from mother stuff to castration complexes and phallocentrism. Uh, we might ruin some childhood classic literature. We're going to talk about death, suicide, dysfunctional relationship dynamics, sadness. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about the sadness. So um, if you're not in the right headspace for that, uh, just just skip these next couple episodes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Hopeless Endeavor. We are a Joanna Newsom podcast. My name is Sam. I live in Vancouver, British Columbia. And my name is Nikki. I live in Ithaca in upstate New York. And you guys, we have made it to part, what is it, four of Baby Birch, the very final part. So yeah, thank you guys for being here with us on this like genuinely painful journey. Um, this is again, just because of like the verse that we're on, there's a bunch of super heavy content to this episode. So thank you guys for listening. If you're here, if, uh, if you need to not listen to this episode, we totally get it. But, um, all right, so let's just dive right in for the people who are here with us. I think that because we left off last time, like right smack dab in the middle of a verse, I'm just going to read to you the whole verse again that we're talking about. And then uh, we can get right back into the discussion. So let's see here. Okay, so she sings. There is a blacksmith and there is a shepherd and there is a butcher boy. And there is a barber who's cutting and cutting away at my only joy. I saw a rabbit as slick as a knife and as pale as a candlestick. And I had thought it'd be harder to do, but I caught her and skinned her quick, held her there, kicking and mewling, upended, unspooling, unsung, and blue. Told her, wherever you go, little runaway bunny, I will find you. And then she ran, as they're liable to do, be at peace, baby, and be gone. Okay, so... Without further ado, here is the rest of the discussion that Sam and I had. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are the best listeners ever. Thank you for being here and listening and talking to us and all that stuff. Okay, here it is. Okay. Um... <laughs> what else do we say? I, I mean, I have impossible. a lot I can say about the runaway bunny, like uh, kind of a silly amount. Um, okay, I'm excited um, for that because I don't know about the runaway bunny. Um, but okay, let me let's just finish the um, these two lines at the beginning. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have more to say about those ones. Um, I don't really even know what I have to say about them. I'm just like not ready to let them go. I mean, it's so interesting that these characters are cutting and cutting away at my only joy um like it seems kind of in contradiction to the last verse where we're referring to the dregs right and like yes obviously you can have more than one feeling about a situation like this but it just seems like a total 180 um 
And I think that just kind of speaks to like the intensity of the situation yes. um, and how quickly your feelings can change or your thoughts can change. Yes. Um, and and how how significantly significantly those feelings can change in times of like absolute just fucking crisis. I, so this makes me think of actually I was listening to this interview because um, of some I think Janu shit posting something or maybe news and discussions. I don't know. But somebody had linked to a an Australian Joanna interview from 2010. And I was listening to her talk a little bit just about like the album as a whole, Have One On Me. And the interviewer asked her specifically about the song, Have One On Me, and like what is going on in the narration there. And she basically said like for that song, I was, she was like, I don't want to say too much about it because I think it's cool that there's like mysteries um, to unfurl there. But that uh, she had intended it, uh, she had intended for it to be a, Hmm. like trying to evoke someone who's uh like on their deathbed or like really ill and like feverish them slipping between hallucinatory feverish delusion and real life and sort of going back and forth between those two and which like makes sense i think it's in line with what we said during that episode of like um she doesn't seem to be all there all the time. You know, like the narrative doesn't really make sense when we kn know what we know about her life. Yes. But um, I think that there might, like given that we know that she was like playing that kind of narrator trickery with us in Have One On Me, um, makes me think that like maybe something with a similar vibe, vibe is happening here, not in that it's changing narrators, but like that what she says about the situation changes throughout the song based on how frantic and urgent the thing is making her feel at that right. time. Yeah. And so we get these waves of like, sometimes she's just like, it's fine. Like, how have you been? Haven't seen you in a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mercy me. Um, and then we get like, you know, well, when it was dark, like it's starting to get serious. And then, we get this like disavowing of the thing and the sour grapes vibe mm -hmm. of I don't want you. I don't want your dregs, like a little baby fussing over my legs. That seems terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, but then here I think is like the same, you know, when Lola says, and help me, I'm leaving. Yeah. It feels like that to me here where she's like, help me. I'm like getting rid of this thing that is my only joy. It's simultaneously the only thing that's bringing me joy in my life right now. And it's also the thing that I've decided I need to be away with and like help me. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. I really like that connection um, because it is so two sided. Um, yeah. That's an interesting uh, and, interview, too. Yeah. I really liked the interview. Um, um, just the idea of it being her only joy. It like breaks my heart when you like picture something just being the one thing that you're fucking holding on to in the darkest of times. It's like your your lifeline and then someone's cutting and cutting away at it, probably at your own request, right? It's just yeah. all the more heartbreaking. It's so fucking devastating. Yeah. Um, fuck, man. Did you end up watching that video that I sent you? I didn't know. We That's, okay. Too many, That's okay. That's uh, okay. Tech yeah. issues. A whole bunch of shit going on. <laughs> um, 
I'll try to remember to post this at the time that we post this uh, episode. But there's this one video where, like, from the there is a blacksmith on, you just see, like, I don't think I'm imagining it. Like, you see these, like, tears welling up in her eyes as she's singing it. And, like, that's exactly – Sam and I have talked about this. Like, that's exactly where it happens for us, too, where, like, you just can't contain yourself anymore. Like, for everybody, it feels like this spilling over of of something where it's just, like, it gets to be too much. Yeah, the spilling over is a really great way to put it, too. Um, like, you know, the cup or whatever has been filling this entire time. And as soon as we approach, um, like the act itself, uh, facing that is too much. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) But it's also not too much because at least in my interpretation, our narrator goes through with it. Right. Like, I think I take the next few lines as like pretty visual, uh, like reconstruction of what you might imagine would happen um me too yeah in your essay sam were you talking about the blacksmith and the shepherd and the butcher boy and the barber as being symbolic of people who are like there with her physically or Uh, i don't know if i meant it like as them physically being there Um, Mm. though it could be like to have, uh, people there to support you, I don't think is very surprising. Um, I think maybe more just like, um, like roles that you might imagine. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I mean, the other thing that it makes me kind of think of is like this small town kind of like, you know, it takes you back to some unknown date. And to me, at least like puts me in this like small town vibe in a similar way that Emily does. Sure, where yeah. in Emily, you know, like the whole town stopped to hear her hollering, like they're all gossiping in this like tiny little town. And I get the same sort of vibe where like there's like this whole system of things going. There's a blacksmith and a shepherd and a butcher boy and each is doing their part in this like functioning organism and like this is just another part of it maybe is that could be a vibe here too like there's a barber who's doing this thing that's necessary but also it hurts Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think that in this forever ago essay I had meant something like that as in like there's a role for each of them what exactly that role is isn't really defined here except for the barber who is um doing the cutting Um, And it really makes me think of Sawdust and Diamonds. Um, I'm just going to pull up the lyrics here so I can think of exactly where I mean. But there's some cutting happening there, too, is there not? Yeah. um, Made with glue and a glove and some pliers. Yeah. Oh, I drove a a murdering stake and cleft me right down through my center. Yeah. She's like, let's just say all of the most brutal lines that she's ever written. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somewhere with your pliers and glue, you make your first incision and in a moment of unbearable vision, doubled over with the hunger of lions. Oh, 
close to the dove who was stuffed now with sawdust and diamonds. I mean, yeah. that's another interesting comparison is that, like, when we were talking about sawdust and diamonds, one of the interpretations is that, like, the little dove uh, was an abortion. Uh, or, like, we had talked about the idea that... Uh, like the killing of the dove, I guess, was like sort of equivalent to like the killing of a fetus. At least I'm almost sure that we talked about that. Sure, never be certain because who knows. Um, but I am interested in that. Like, and then we, yeah, I think we did because then we also talked about like where blessing all the birds got their name from, which is like this like earlier version of only skin where they sing like she sings blessing all the birds who died that I could live. Um, and so like this interesting comparing of perhaps fetuses with birds but then here too we get like this other animal that it's being compared with and I like that vibe I don't know I like the vibe of these sort of like untainted by the world things actually so this this makes me think of a um, comment we just got today by our wonderful lovely brilliant wonderful Wonderful, good, 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 great supporter, <laughs> Zach. <laughs> I haven't seen this yet. Okay, so it was just like really recently. Um, they commented on the uh, first episode of 81 posts that I made on Facebook, and I thought that they had a lot of really cool sh- shit to say here. So I'm just going to quickly read. Probably won't be that quick, but yeah. Okay, they're right. So Really glad y'all mentioned that 81 is a play on words for AD1 because I never realized that. Um, I'm totally speaking from the hip here and have no sources for this. But in regards to the alternative interpretation of Adam and Eve as representative of the origin of individualism, um, there is also an interpretation that I've read, especially among Christian mystics, that Adam and Eve represent humanity's transition from being animals to being humans via the internal creation of uh, morality. As someone who was raised Baptist, rejected Christianity as a young teen, and is recently rediscovering it in a more mystical sense, I truly believe this is the, I guess you could call it, mythological source of the story the of Adam of and delight. Eve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in this interpretation, the pair lived in paradise not because it was literally paradise, but because there was no sense of right and wrong, uh, similar to the way that animals live solely by instinct, free from a moral compass. And so the consumption of fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil was mankind's transition to morality and therefore a loss of quote-unquote paradise under which non-human animals live. Um, So thank you for for that, Zach. I think that's super fucking interesting. And sorry, the reason I read that now is just like that, the significance of like her comparing it to an animal maybe and i think in that episode eventually we talked about too like the idea that the gates to the garden were closed at a certain point and i really really like the idea that if this was more of like an awakening of morality that humans would be locked out (laughs) from that like there's no fucking way we're getting into that no (laughs) good good garden um yeah Animals are good in this way that humans aren't. Like, it's why, like, a lot of us get sad to, like, see dogs die in movies and we, like, don't cry. I mean, there's, of course, like, a thousand things going on there. Humans matter a lot, too. But um, 
there's this like purity of animals that even if they like my dog would kill a squirrel if he could catch one he like chases them every fucking morning Mm -hmm. but like it's not moralized in the same way like you know that my dog doesn't have a bad bone in his body right he's like so pure in this way that like it's nice to think about humans being in that sort of mythological sense. At some point, we were just like the animals, but now we have like all these corrupt intentions, these selfish intentions that like animals just are le- either have less of or less blameworthy for or something. I don't know. And I think that's what's made. That's that is what makes this verse so especially brutal is that the thing that we are cutting out is posited as a baby bunny Um, like the most innocent tiniest like uh, easy to love thing Um, and also vulnerable like yeah yeah and interestingly too going on that thread it's something that like it's kind of a perfect animal in this one respect where uh, it's not as though killing and eating rabbit is like a thing that people don't do. People do that all mm-hmm. the time. Um, but like, it's still something that like, I don't know, for some reason, unlike with like cows and pigs in this society, when you kill like a rabbit, I think that people who aren't used to eating rabbit are kind of like kind of cringe at that, you know, kind of cringe at like the skinning of a rabbit that, I don't know, whatever, regardless if they have a worse reaction to that, doesn't matter. But like, it's like this in-between stage where we're like half accepting of it, but it's also kind of gross that we would do that. Um, I think too, that's just because, uh, and maybe it's because they are so cute not to say that fucking, <laughs> have you ever seen a video of a baby cow running in a oh field God, for the so first sweet. time? I like, know. I think it's just because rabbits are less involved in that like industrial complex oh, of yeah. things that we've decided to eat eat and i totally agree with you that like um a rabbit on a plate might be um a lot more shocking especially if it had all of its fur and stuff like that's um yeah it's a lot but i i think that was a specific and intentional choice to um kind of place uh baby birch as something uh, that it's like harder to wrap your head around um, and easy to feel for. Yeah. Um, easy to feel for and let, yet like also easy to acknowledge that people do it. It's not like a thing that shouldn't ever be done. It's not like killing a human. It's not like killing. Uh, and in in a similar way that I think we treat, abor- well, not we, because abor- abortions are treated like a fucking crazy things uh, yeah. in a lot of places. But uh, in a way that I think that like people who are pro-choice uh, will often regard abortion, which is like this thing that's like sort of in between, uh, like we would never kill a little fetus. And like, no, it happens all the time. It's just sort of unpalatable still, um, yeah. even though it's like a necessary thing for the way that the society functions. Yeah. I don't know. I know you have a lot to say about little bunnies. I do. Um... I'm excited. Do you have anything to say about 
I mean, I think these are just such intense visuals, like as slick as a knife, as pale as a candlestick. And I thought it'd be harder to do. It's such a fucking, I know we've said it a thousand times, but it's such a fucking brutal line too. And then this use of kicking and mewling, upended, unspooling, unsung, and blue uh just makes me think of blue as in without breath like upended choking. unspooling unsung choking um like as being unwound from something mm-hmm. um you know kicking kicking and mewling as like oh hi as me um hmm. as like um you know just just brand fucking new um without Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, without an awareness of what the fuck is happening. Yeah. There's this, like, shiny, um, pale little thing all of a sudden. Um, <sighs> yeah. I I don't even know how to fucking talk about these lines. They're, these are the most intense lines of the whole song. These are the lines yeah. where, like, for me, I, it's, like, what I was talking about when I said I'd read Baby Birch. Uh, like... Uh, yes, I agree with everything that you said. I think these are the most fucking brutal lines that have ever been written ever. Like, they're so fucking good and poignant. Um, and I mean, okay, so sticking with the kicking and mewling of ended, unspooling, unsung. Like, I also love the you, the use of the yes. you for upended unspooling unsung it's like almost undoing something it's like we're moving backwards like yes undoing uh, is such a good way of putting it exactly exactly you're like just trying to like rewind and start from a place where that hadn't happened yeah um but the kicking and mewling i was just gonna look up mewling just to see like the i think it's just like just made me think of like a little cat yeah me too yeah okay so especially of a baby to cry mm-hmm. feebly or querulously to whimper. It's a really cool word. That is a cool word. I don't know what it means. Um, but that's like another thing is that it makes me simultaneously think of what a baby would do when they're born. Like they're like, like you said, Sam, like just like new to the world, doesn't know what's going on. They're like sort of kicking and like, just like trying to get their bearings. But Really darkly, it also makes me think of, like, when you hold something down, it's like kicking and mewling to get away from yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and that word querulously yeah. is defined as expressing a complaint or grievance, as in grumbling. So it's not happy with whatever is no. going on, right? Or, like... I don't think happy is the right word either. It's not like even probably aware enough um, just to know, like only aware enough to know that it's uncomfortable um, and that like wherever it had been before is very different from where it is. Um, 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 Okay. I can say things about the runaway bunny. Okay. Go for it. So the runaway bunny is kind of like a, one of a series of books 
uh, by Margaret Wise Brown. I'm sure you read them, had them around when you were a kid. Um, they're ones. It's the part of the family of books that uh, Goodnight Moon mm-hmm. um, is part of. It's the same author. Um, they're all illustrated by Clement Hurd. And it's one of those books that was like one of the first from what I understand children's books to like really get a hook in parents and like um really become like a bestseller um and the reasons why are kind of really interesting too um but it's also one of those books that I look back on and kind of go like what the fuck like who thought this was a good idea to read to children <laughs> um it makes me think of like the giving tree mm-hmm. like the giving tree to me is not a nice book the giving tree is like so at the beginning of the book it's the boy and the tree and as the book goes on the tree gives all of itself to the boy and the boy takes and takes and takes and at the end the little boy is sitting on the stump and the tree has nothing left and to me it's just like this horrible story of like you know, so many things like not knowing your limits. It's even like more than like unlimited love. It's like some kind of weird, uh, selfish dynamic um, that the tree never, never gets a hold of. Um, and that one makes me ball every time I read it. I hate reading that book to kids because it <laughs> fucking sucks. I don't think it's a nice message at all. And I think the author probably knew that. Um but anyway, um, so the runaway bunny goes, uh, once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I am running away. And then in each instance of it's running away, the mother chases the bunny. Um, so the bunny attempts to become all these different things. The bunny becomes a fish in a trout stream and tries to swim away from the mother. The mother becomes a fisherman. The bunny becomes a rock on the mountain and the mother becomes a mountain climber. Um, The little bunny becomes a crocus in a hidden garden and the mother becomes a gardener, becomes a bird. The mother becomes a tree. Um, So it's this constant like um, uh, the bunny is trying to leave and the mother is constantly chasing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just kind of a very strange strange dynamic and at the end like the uh, bunny's actually like shape-shifting into all these things oh yeah it's like it's a kid's book right so remember my background from last week there was like the mother bunny was the wind the baby bunny was the boat and the mother was blowing the baby back towards her oh okay and so i think that you could see it in a few different ways it's like Uh, One being like the very sweet and kind of transcendent love of a mother. And then there's also like this kind of ominous and overwhelming feeling. So I found this paper um, uh, by Claudia H. Pearson. And I think this was their like um, some kind of thesis um, okay. but I f- found it online. It was like, holy shit, this is really funny. <laughs> Obviously, I'm avoiding my own responsibilities. Otherwise, I was like, I'm just going to read this entire thing. It's called uh, Have a Carrot, Edible Theory and Symbolism in Margaret Wise Brown's um, Runaway Bunny Trilogy. Um, 
and as quickly as I can, it's very much just like an analysis of how these books reinforce um, patriarchal social constructs, like these super gendered parental roles and like these myth- misanthropic theories regarding women. And I think all of which are really strongly at play in Baby Birch as well. Um, one critic in these papers is cited as feeling like a kind of chill regarding the relationship of the mother to the baby, the baby or the bunny longing to escape that like overflowing, overwhelming mother. Um, there was a hmm. bunch about like uh, Freudian theories of childhood development, all these really weird like super analyses of like um the images in the book as being all about like phallic symbols and the mother <laughs> wanting to like it was a wild ride the mother bunny wanting to um you know have sex with the bunny wow. or like it was a a roller coaster ride wow. Um, wow but i think the most interesting thing that i read was that the author in writing this book was really into psychology and outright admitted that these books were kind of like an experiment in symbolic imagery and that like intentionally made certain images um i guess kind of more potent than others um interesting yeah and it's just kind of fucked up that depending on your relationship with your family, that you might interpret these kinds of stories differently. Like, if you had a really lovely, perfect childhood, which no one does, maybe this yeah. is just like a really nice, or if you just don't put in the thought that obviously I did, <laughs> to this series of books that like, um, maybe this is just like a really nice story. But... It just also like it, in terms of baby Birch really made me think about the imagery and the bunny, especially in the ending of our story. So in the ending of the children's book, the bunny is offered a carrot from its mother and the bunny stays with its mother. And it's like this kind of really nice, happy ending. And I think like the most important takeaway from this ridiculous roller coaster ride I went on was that like our little bunny is allowed to be let go. Like our last lines here are be at peace, baby, and be gone. And that like releasing of it mm. is like overwhelmingly uh kind of powerful and sweet. Um and the like difference between holding on to something for a dear life, knowing that maybe it's not the right thing for you versus the like releasing that and letting it go. Um, yeah. No, that's so fucking sweet, Sam, and heartbreaking. I love that interpretation that like, our little runaway bunny had this alternate ending where like instead of the mom luring her in with a carrot, like it was able to do what it 
what it seems to be like in its nature, or like what it, it most wants to do, which is to run away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a children's books are weird. Like it made me yeah. really want to like change careers entirely and just analyze <laughs> children's literature forever because that would be so cool. Um, there was also another book she had written called The Dead Bird. And I kicked myself for not having found it before only skin. Oh, my God. Because um, it just would have been like a really cool connection to those verses there. Um Perhaps bonus episode. I am writing this down to see if oh, I will sure. go read it. Yeah. And um, it's a children's book, so it'll be a real quick read. A really too. short read. Um, uh, I I also just am so into the um the overwhelming mother. I mean, yeah, like like you said, like one of the interpretations at least is that is that this mom just like won't leave this bunny alone. Yeah. Um in this sort of like dark way. And it or maybe darkish. And to me, like, br- it brings to mind a bit, um, like, this, like, very slight vibe that I think I talked about last time, which is that, like, this mom needs this little baby too much in a way where, like, you should probably be more psychologically stable and healthy before you like like you shouldn't be relying on your kid to bring you mental health um that's like a fucking exactly yeah so like i like the imposing of this book and like those lenses on on baby birch here because i like the idea that she's just been like oh like i've been chasing you in this overwhelming sense and like, were I to, to hold on to you, um, it would be like in an overwhelming kind of way, maybe. But, mm-hmm. um, but I'm gonna let you go. Yeah, and it's just kind of like a recognition to of, at least to me, individuality and like, just kind of seeing. I think the bigger picture. Um, and maybe it's silly to like, you know, take a 10 page children's book. So silly, but I also know that it's referenced for a reason. Yeah. Oh my God. For sure it is. In this like, like hugely important moment in this song. Like it's not a coincidence that she says runaway bunny in like the, the, the what do you call it when everything just like goes together and makes a. What's it called? The beautiful tapestry of pain. Yeah. I mean, absolutely that. (laughs) Climax is what I'm trying to say. It's the climax of this song. (laughs) Yes. Beautiful tapestry of pain is better, though. That's better. That's more what it is. Um, I'm curious, too, about, like, the choice then to describe what the bunny wants to do as to run away. Mm -hmm. Like, that that would be its impulse rather than to, like, cling to life. Um. And again, I don't know if that's just sort of a way to frame it that would make the narrator feel better or if it's, um, I don't know, some other reason to describe the bunny that way. I mean, I think if we think of it in terms of like anything that is alive will fight to stay alive. Um, But that's just like a natural reflex to um, breathing. Yeah. Like, um, 
oh, and it makes me think of the kicking and mewling. Like, yeah. that's just something that happens uh, when a bunny is born. Like, it's not, um, I don't think that's like an unfamiliar thing. Um, right. Right. But to let it go too, like, I know what you mean. It's like, is it, which way is it letting go? Is it letting go and that it is physically running away or um, that like this idea of this um, specific image of a baby that we've built up throughout this song is yeah. itself um, leaving in some way. Yes, that is such a, I love, 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 love that, Sam, that that there's a separation between the physical thing that might be kicking mewling and this thing whose eyes are green and hair is gold and eyes are black and hair is, uh, and hair is black and eyes are blue. Mm -hmm. um, where like there is like this disconnection between the physical being that might have been and this like idea, this like idealized image dream that the narrator has been talking to and has been imagining sharing this life with like remember staring up at the stars when you and I stared up at the stars but like it's really only one person who gets to see the stars you know mm -hmm. um so these things do do come apart throughout the rest of the song um and I like the idea that like the thing that's running away is like a different thing than the thing that was kicking and mewling yeah and also the line told her, wherever you go, little runaway bunny, I will find you. I know last episode we talked about this, like, uh, this idea of like whispering something to the universe. And it's like the sweetest iteration of that. Um, and just kind of like a recognition that like there is no, at least to me, there is no like perfect time and place for these things. And like, even though the time is not now. Uh, there might eventually be um, a better time or place for this. Mm -hmm. um, and she will find her. God. That's another line that has this, like, um, for me, uh, when I hear it, it has this, like, dual meaning or, like, tone to it, which is that super sweet one that you just said, which is just, like, no matter what, like, I'm here for you. And, like, not only I'm here for you, like, I will seek you out. I want you to be okay. And, like, I'll, I'll come for you, you know. Um, but then on the other hand, this, this overwhelmingness that we were just talking about, like, wherever you go, I'll find you. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes me think, too, that, like, our evidence is that, like, kind of the opposite is true. Like, wherever sh the narrator goes, this little runaway bunny is, like, with her, it seems. Like, she's... You know, depending on like what tense is going on in this song that we've um, in the verses we've already discussed, it seems like this. It's she's like repeatedly says like it's been a long, long time. You know, um, she like put puts distance between the time when she last saw this thing or like thought of it or talked to it or whatever, and now, and so it does seem like this bunny is like. Yeah, always with her in this in this way. I don't know. 
Yeah. But yeah, I think it's important to note that like duality of the statement too. Like yeah. um, wherever you go, little runaway bunny, I will find you can be that very sweet thing. And it can be like this overwhelming, all encompassing um, feeling or action or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my heart. Uh, um, the description of. Well, it's interesting that she says, I saw a rabbit. Um, mm-hmm. um, and the rabbit was slick as a knife. Like, I don't know, to me, like, she's like bringing in this like violent imagery, I guess, mm-hmm. in describing it as slick. But what does she mean by saying like a rabbit slick? Like, stealthy stealthy but i also just thought of like uh, the shit that happens when something's born and they're covered in something that is slick um but stealthy and or like um shiny brand new um yeah and as pale as a candlestick i don't know what to make of that comparison between I don't get the the candlestick. Um, like why she chose that in particular to compare as being pale. Mm-hmm. It just makes me think of like the something jumped over the candlestick and the something. Oh, sure. Something. Yeah. Like, what is it? Dog jumped over the candlestick and the. <laughs> Jack jumped over the candlestick. Oh, yeah. Jack be nimble. Jack be quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jack jumped over the candlestick. To fetch a pail of water? No, now I'm confusing <laughs> Jack and Jill. Yeah, Ugh. that's something else. All right, never mind. But Which, again, like related to children in some way. Exactly. That it would be anyway. The yeah, I don't com- know why a candle for pale. So. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't know why either. Um. Like maybe it's something like that is like burning out or like melting or like wax and like malleable or something. I don't know. I don't know any of that. Um. Oh. Uh oh. A white candlestick. The fuck. This is no. This is something to do with economics. Get the fuck. Out of here. <laughs> it's not what I want. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just imagined like one of those old timey looking candlesticks. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's something to do with like uh, if a candle is lit in the dark, the kind of like pale light of the flame is reflected mm. elsewhere. I don't know. Yeah. And like her only joy, her only light, like, mm-hmm. you know, could be yeah, that. I don't know. I like that. Um, And Sam, the comma between quick and held her there makes me want to die yeah i caught her and skinned her quick held her there it's like this like extra thing that is necessary to say like she is the one doing this action you know yeah and that's really important too especially considering like um all the other people that could be involved it is the narrator themselves who is holding her there um And I think that's kind of important to the song, too, that it's the narrator who does the action here. Yeah. Um, Even if it's not, even if it's the barber who's cutting and cutting, it's our narrator who kind of has the final uh, task. 
Yeah, she's the final say in this. She's like the thing that made this all happen, or yeah. this part at least happen. Yeah. Um, just when you said cutting and cutting, uh, I don't think we said this before, but I it's again the repetition that we're just like we harp mm. on the same fucking thing all the time yeah. where it's like whenever shit repeats with Joanna like pay more attention to it and here I think that the repetition of the word cutting just gives us the feeling of like ah uh, you're like if you're picturing describing something as like oh he's just like cutting and cutting away at it it's like he's doing too much you know like he's like mm-hmm. chopping it to bits like cutting and cutting and not yeah. stopping um, and it makes me think of that ridiculous ruse that we talked about last episode, the woman who pretended to give birth to rabbits. Oh, Remember yeah, that? <laughs> like that, in, that. And in her ruse, the things that she birthed were bits and pieces of things. It was never a whole. Oh, yeah. Um, it was never a whole rabbit. It was like a cat. Oh, I have the notes right here. Why am I? <laughs> It was like a cat paw, uh, afterwards rabbits. Yeah, it was. And that I think that could be tied to like the uh, over uh, the exaggeration of that cutting. Yeah, right. Um, ugh, and then Sam. I remember trying to describe this line to someone I don't even remember who but I remember saying to someone like and then she ran as they're liable to do and I was trying to explain who the they was I was like as runaway bunnies are liable to do they're liable to run and like I just couldn't get through the sentence without getting like embarrassingly emotional like it's just so heartbreaking and I don't even know how to describe why or like why it is just like god damn it, wherever you go, little runaway bunny, I will find you. And then she ran as they're liable to do. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, you brilliant woman. Good job at breaking my heart. You are able to, you have that power. Use it wisely, please, because I hurt. (laughs) Like, Yeah, and it's just like the runaway bunny in the story, right? Like that bunny was running as far as they could. I think in the book it's a boy bunny for some reason i think he runs um but regardless um yeah they have the freedom to do that if given the opportunity so why not why not i think it's interesting that she made the bunny baby birch a she Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i think we might have talked about that a little bit but that it like makes it feel to me at least more of like a like either like a a projection of herself in some kind of way or like the only way she's able to like I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. Femininity also is like a big part of the album. So it's like on her side in this way. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe it's just like Maybe what she was picturing. Exactly. Maybe it's just something that felt more comfortable. Yeah. Um, I really don't know. <sighs> and then Sam, when she says she switches from saying bunny or rabbit or baby birch to just baby at the end here. Be at peace, baby. And be gone. Yeah. And, you know, the ending of this song musically is just a very sweet outro. 
Um, but it feels, at least to me, very peaceful. Um, yeah. It feels kind of silly to say, but it feels like the fight's over. Like, this thing that we've built up, that has been built up for so long, is done. And all you can do is, like, kind of ruminate on... Um, ruminate on it but also like wish wish it well yeah wish it well and then like figure out a way to like be to continue being after yeah like i don't know at all enough musically um and i like hesitate to even describe it this way because of how little i know but there's like that sort of like easterny feeling to the instruments behind the like um outro part do you know what i'm talking about where it's not just guitar it's it like... might be the tambura okay. um ryan francesconi plays on this song both acoustic and electric guitar the bulgarian tambura the banjo the mandolin um and the soprano recorder so it could be oh it could be the soprano um, recorder that's behind like a oh i'm just gonna listen to what a tambura sounds like real quick mm-hmm yeah okay so it is it is the tambour that i'm talking about okay um at the end of it which is like this it does the same like melody as we were going through uh with the there is a blacksmith and there's a shepherd but like it's all and like there's like nice jamming and stuff at the end i actually have this very distinct mem. oh wait oh sorry my phone just died oh that's okay it's okay um <laughs> I was like confused as to how we were still talking, but I remember yeah. <laughs> I saw you up on Skype. I saw your I know. face pop up for a second. Okay. I turned it on for a second and then it was like, no, no, <laughs> no. See? we're not no. having it. Okay. Should I just keep going? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I have this memory of in driving to Montreal with people to go see Joanna and like driving through the night and being so fucking tired and like baby Birch's outro coming on and like it has this like, like a rhythmic sort of not pounding but there's like some sort of like there's like a weird thing that happens with like maybe the volume or like the the modulation maybe of like the sound at the end that like it I was awake the whole time but it felt like me slipping in and out of like sleep or like consciousness or something like it was so intense the experience but anyway it might be related to this like east-west theme that is happening throughout Have One On Me that I really, to be honest, don't understand. Like I need to do way more research on it to know what is going on with that. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. Is that it? I don't know. Did we just do Baby Birch? I oh. think we did okay well if you want to send us a submission (laughs) (laughs) i'm fucking kidding i'm so sorry guys (laughs) we need to like have a moment to mourn together all of us like uh, everybody yeah 
I mean, if you've made it this far, that's incredible. I don't, I'm really curious. Maybe send us a message and tell us like yeah. what context you were listening to this in. Because like if you're, I feel like Zach might have posted on the Facebook group that he was going to listen to it on his commute. And I was like, man, oh, Zach, yes, I yes. don't know. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Uh, although like I have straight up been so many times in public listening to both Joanna and a podcast that have just made me cry. And I'm just like, I've, even though I live in like a pretty small town now, I still have resigned myself to being like seen as like that, the person who just like cries randomly and like is really emotional. Like it's fine. <laughs> you can be a little afraid of me cause I am a little bit crazy emotional. It's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, Oh, also I had a note when you were describing the um, runaway bunny as becoming different things. The first thing you said was that he became a trout. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, naked as a trout. I know. One of my favorite lines ever. Um, but then that. the image of the mother bunny pulling him out of the water is too much for me, too. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Be at peace. Yeah. Be exactly. gone. Yeah. Stop being yanked out of the water like that. <laughs> Okay, but actually, if you do want to send us a submission about anything, you can. Um, and we want you to. I'm, like, really yep. curious to hear other people's thoughts and theories about this. We really didn't talk much about, like, well, whatever, like, miscarriages or, like, just theories that, like, diverge from our own. Because I think that this – it's it's a hard song to – for me, at least, to – I don't know. Step it away feels from more it constricting within our own like yeah. interpretations than others do, for sure. Yes, but blow exactly. our minds. Send us something else. Blow our minds. Our email address is a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com. Um, I run the Instagram, which oh fuck, my phone's dead. Which is <laughs> a hopeless endeavor podcast. Yes, it is. Perfect. I attempt um, to run the Facebook group, which is a hopeless endeavor, a Joanna Newsome podcast. Um, we also have a Patreon. So uh, it's the worst time for a commercial. <laughs> what would you say? It's like the worst time for a commercial. It feels so <laughs> fucking weird. You just like got to do it though. It yeah. exists. It does exist. You can become a patron if you want. You can. Um, I don't know. Like, I was going to go look up the URL, but honestly, just like go to Patreon and like search A Hopeless Endeavor and you'll find us. I don't mean to be, we are so grateful to anybody who like actually goes and does that, but I, it'll take me too long to pull it up right now. And it feels wrong and corporate to after Baby Birch. So (laughs) it doesn't feel like us. It doesn't feel like us. (laughs) Um... Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.